and thank you so much for listening to Invisible Not Broken. This week, I am talking to Kara, who has been dealing with endometriosis, well, at least until she got her hysterectomy. So we are going to talk about heavy periods while being in junior and high in high school, which is about as much fun as that sounds, Tumblr and a lack of sex education, why teachers should know way more about periods, and start carrying tampons and pads in their classroom. You know your body. Trust your judgment. You are going to understand this while you listen to it. Kara had to go through to get her surgery. Having to justify your surgery to a surgeon and to children who do not yet exist. Anatomy lessons years too late. Yes, I have a great little story in there. Ridley Scott could not come up with endometriosis. You will understand as you hear the details of this. And I really do challenge you to listen all the way through, especially if you're a man. This is a really good thing to learn about just the basic facts of life and how they can go really, really, really wrong. We also go into discussing infertility and endometriosis and how certain parts of that can cause neuropathy in the legs. I had no idea about that one. We also talk about being moms and how we often will wait for care until it's a convenient time. Go through a complete breakdown on hysterectomies. I learned so much about this that I did not know. Also, the medical cost of silence. A record number of times saying vagina on this podcast. I cannot believe how many times we said that word. It's impressive. I don't think I've ever said that word so many times in a day. I hope you enjoy. I really hope you learn a lot from this episode. I know I did. I am Kara, and my diagnosis um, is endometriosis, and I also recently just had a hysterectomy related to some other symptoms, some of which were probably related to endometriosis, and some of which were just symptoms that needed to be addressed. So I'm going to start with, when did you first have those symptoms? When did those symptoms start? Well, you know, from the time I, so I got my first period when I was 12, and by the time I was in high school. Okay, that is no fair. That is no fair. I know. That is mean. No. Yeah. Like think about how many years I'm like, I'm, I'm only 34, but that's a lot of years. So I, by the time I was in high school, I was dealing with like horrible cramping. My periods were like at least nine days long, sometimes longer, heavy, heavy bleeding, clotting, just the whole thing. And that's been that way ever since I was in high school. And then also, um, in junior high, I had an ovarian cyst diagnosed. So I had like some severe pain. I went in, they did an ultrasound. They were like, oh yeah, there's an ovarian cyst there. Um, and they didn't feel the need to do a surgery for it, but throughout college, it continued to give me problems. Um, like I just just left. Okay. So for all of my listeners who are not women, so we do have men who listen, I had an ovarian cyst burst and I do daily dislocations and oh my God, that hurt. Like that yeah. is pass out pain. They just left that in you to just see if it would dissolve for years. Yeah. And, and it, it never ah. burst in college at one point. I did have to go to like an emergency clinic. I didn't have a doctor. I was like six hours from home and I just saw my doctor in the summers. Like at home, I, I had a gynecologist at home. But I had to go to an emergency clinic, and they thought it was probably, like, torsion, which can be really dangerous, like, for your ovary. You can lose your ovary from that. And so it ended up, again, they didn't do surgery. They were like, okay, lie on this side. And, like, they tried to, like, physically, like, physically, like manipulate it from the outside. And it, yeah, I know. And it did eventually, like, the pain eventually resolved. But it was just this constant kind of, like, I know that it's in there. I know that something's not right. Like, my periods are ridiculous. Um and that just continued on for a long time, clearly. So we will get into the weeds if you're willing to. Um, yeah. But I just feel yeah. like, you know, in our society, like, there's such, like, this mysticism around periods. And, like, you start reading these weird stories where men are like, but can't you just hold it? Like, 
So, like, <laughs> Tumblr is a scary place that I've been introduced to by my teenager, and I'm reading through it going, is there sex ed anymore? Like, so Seriously. if you're willing to talk about, like, some of, I think there are a lot of men who don't understand exactly what periods are like, even, like, just regularly. So I think it's kind of, I'd love to talk a little bit more. And especially when you were younger, how did having these incredibly long periods affect you when you're in sixth grade and then, like, junior high and high school? How did that go for you? (laughs) Well, you know, I had, like, low energy because, you know, you're bleeding a lot. Uh And, like, you know, sometimes you'll read statistics and people will say, like, the average woman loses a tablespoon (laughs) of blood. With their period, and like I want to know who yeah, that bitch is. I want to know who that average I know. person is. Who is that? That's like one clot for an like, OP. Are, like, are, are there people crazy? like that? Like I, none that I know of. <laughs> I don't know anybody like this. And so yeah, I'm like low energy because you're bleeding a lot, and you're bleeding for nine days, and like four to five days of that would be like extremely like I would be changing the pad like every hour, which that's a lot. Like Okay, so how did that affect day. school? Like did you have to ask for like to leave class to go get a pad? No, so I went to a super, super small school. Okay. Um, it was a little trickier in junior high because we didn't have as many breaks. Like in high school, even though it was a small school, we had, um, you know, like in between classes, I go to the bathroom in between every single class and I just did. And like, you know, I didn't have far to go. It was a teeny tiny little, like one hallway kind of classroom. So it wasn't a big deal. Um, but yeah, in junior high. So I got my period. I was in sixth grade when it started and I had a male teacher and I, you know, of course, like I didn't want to tell him about anything and I had to like call my mom and be like, like I knew about they told me, but I didn't have anything with me. Yeah. And the school did. But, like, I still was like, I want my mom to come. Like, I want my mommy. <laughs> I want my mom. And she came. And I was like, what do I do with it? Like, she's like, you just unwrap it and, like, put it in your underwear. And I, I remember asking her, like, do I put the sticky side down or up? And she's like, down, Karen, down. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but I just didn't. And I was so, like, flustered. And, like, I like the best example of how flustered I was was that, I was, I was a straight A student and I failed my math test that day because I was so completely flustered by it. And my teacher like said to my mom, you know, like, Oh, you need to talk. I don't know what happened. And my mom was just like, well, you know, she kind of had a big incident happen that day. You know, she was a girl and she's 12. And he was like, Oh, did he just like completely have a panic attack with that and not be able to, to discuss it? Did he just freak out and he was just unable to like handle the... (laughs) want to talk about it like at all yeah yeah and then my junior high so in junior high for seventh and eighth grade I had a male teacher again and I mean I just never said anything about it I just had stuff in the bathroom like at school we were able to keep like things in there it was like a like a big cabinet kind of and like any of us who had started our periods we just have to like our stuff in there and so we just go if we needed to you know I just ask but yeah I mean like you have to go I had to do it frequently because yeah the first like four to five days of it every time um, were really, really heavy. So yeah. And I, um, I had always really enjoyed swimming. Like I had been on the swim team and I stopped doing it because like dealing, I just was too nervous, like with how heavy it was to like tampons weirded me out also. Like I just didn't want to oh, do it. So, oh, but I tell also me about it. it. Like the first time I got my box of tampons and I opened up the, the like little instruction. First off, I was not educated on female anatomy. I was like, wait a minute, I've owned this ovaries and cervix and vagina for, you know, 12 years now. Cause I actually started at the same time you did. I started like at 11 
And yeah. I was like, wait a minute, there's there's three holes? Wait, and no one told me any of this. And where does it go? And it was painful anyway to put in. And yeah. then you're yeah. like, oh my God, is it gonna be shark week if you're like swimming and all of a sudden like yeah. gonna break through or trust it and like I thought about being a lifeguard in the summer and that I was like no can't do it like I just you know like certain things that I had planned to do or enjoy doing I was like no I can't do it I still played soccer because that one I just I wore pants like yeah I just it was fine it wasn't great to be honest like running up and down the field but I did it because I know and we are well you're uh, younger than me but we were still of a generation where at least it wasn't like our mothers who had to have like the garter and like the pad that's like right. you know like dynamic right. but they were yeah. not the little like epically thin pads that we have now or I'm like oh this is different <laughs> no oh no it was they were thick and they needed to be for mine yeah. they really did like a thin one would be like who like again that was always my thing like who's using these little thin things that they have because like, that wasn't gonna do anything for me no and so gentlemen anyone who is thinking about turning this podcast off because you're getting uncomfortable I challenge you to listen all the way through because I think that everyone needs to know that 50% of the population is really living a different space than the other 50% mm-hmm. because we're doing all of this while bleeding and cramping for yep. anywhere between three and those bitches who get only three days to nine. Right. I, yeah, I, I used to have all the way up to 14 days, so no fair. Um, but I think it's important for men to start challenging themselves to be a little uncomfortable about listening to, you know, the basic bodily facts that allow you to exist. So we'll keep talking about this and hopefully you'll still yep. listen. Yep. <laughs> so for your endo, um, did you get like the dear God um, labor level cramps with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I did. So can you yeah. describe for our male listeners <laughs> what the cramping feels like? Oh, man. How do you describe it? It's like your entire insides are squeezing together. Like, all of your organs feel like they're squeezing together repeatedly and tightly and then releasing and then doing it again. Like, for, you know, a couple of days. Like, yeah. It, it's miserable. And, I, I mean, I would use ibuprofen to try to, like, take the edge off, but it doesn't, like, eliminate them. Like, you're still, like, you feel miserable, you feel nauseated, you get diarrhea. Like, oh, God, yeah. The vomiting. Like the thing that we're dealing with for, like, one week plus out of every single month. Yeah. But we're also still supposed to hit all of those levels of excellence and focus. So male yeah. teachers also listen to this one, too. Um, right. Absolutely. Endo, can you describe exactly what this is? Because I don't think a lot of people know what endotrometriosis is. What What is the actual physicality yeah. of that? So endometriosis is when the uterine lining, for whatever reason, instead of staying within the uterus, it gets outside of the uterus and attaches both on the outside of the uterus, but also on other organs. So your ovaries, your bladder, anything kind of like in that vicinity, it just kind of spreads around and multiplies and causes pain because it's, yeah, I don't honestly know exactly why it causes pain other than it's not supposed to be there and it is irritating outside of an organ that's not supposed to have something on it. Um, and something attached to it and being like a parasite basically. Yeah. So that's what the definition of it is, is that the uterine lining is outside of the uterus. Now, so just to back up for a second, um, just to keep everyone on track on this, because I'm so good at getting off track. I'm brilliant at that. Uh, (laughs) Um, you've been dealing with all of this without actually having a diagnosis for it. So you just had nine day long periods. Horribly yep. painful periods with bad cramping, diarrhea, nausea, and you didn't yep. have a reasoning. Did this, aside from like the usual, not the usual, but you know, like the, the things we kind of expect with periods, were there any other symptoms that you had? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for, I assumed I had endometriosis and I had actually been to a doctor and they had tried to, I'll, I'll touch on this in a second, they tried to kind of diagnose it because I was having 
this symptom, it's hard to explain other than the way that I would always explain it to my husband is, it would feel like there was a bag of rocks in my abdomen, like just solid, like solid. And it wasn't like I couldn't like use the bathroom and eliminate, like it was just like that for like a couple of days. And it was, it wasn't consistent. It wasn't like right at the start of my period or anything, but it was frequent. It was frequent enough, like at least, oh, I, I was going to say at least once a month. That's not accurate. At least twice a month that that would happen. And it's, it's like very painful. Um, and I started to kind of try to like do some Googling on my own and found like some people saying with endometriosis, like I found people saying that exact thing of like, it feels like there's a bag of rocks in your stomach. And I was like, Oh, well, okay. <laughs> well, that's, that sounds like a reason that, an answer. That hmm. So during the time that that was getting to be worse and worse and happening more frequently, my husband and I were also trying to get pregnant and we're not getting pregnant. And we were approaching like two years of trying to get pregnant. And I started to think a lot of times endometriosis does cause infertility because it causes scarring within the fallopian tubes from that uterine tissue. And um, it messes up ovaries. It can, you know, you can get endometrial cysts that interfere with ovulation. And so I went to my doctor and at that point, when I was younger, my periods were completely consistent. Like they were long and they were horrible, but they started every 28 days. At <laughs> Hell will come exactly on time every month. On time at 4 a.m. I would wake up like when I was in Are high school. Are you serious? It's down up. to the hour? Oh my God. <laughs> and like with horrible cramps and I would go and I'd have to go, I would go downstairs to the kitchen and I would eat a yogurt so I could take Advil because I learned at first I would just take Advil. That idea would make me throw up because you can't take that in an empty stomach. It irritates your stomach. So I'd go eat a yogurt so I could take ibuprofen and try to get like another hour of sleep before, you know, my alarm went off for school. So, but they had been super consistent. At this point, they were starting to get like 32 days in between, 35 days in between, 21 days in between, like just completely like completely unpredictable. And so combined with all those things, I was like, you know, maybe something's going on. And so I went to my doctor and, um, she did an ultrasound and saw that the cysts that probably had been there, like that one I mentioned yeah. that I was at the junior high was there. And she said, you know what, like, let's get that out of there. Like at the very least, let's just see what's going on. And she really felt strongly. It was probably endometriosis. And she's like, and then we'll try to, you know, go from there. So I had that cyst removed and they did not find endometriosis, um, I don't know if it was hiding. I mean, because all of my symptoms still related to that. But the yeah. cyst itself was not an endometrioma. Um, but she said, she's like, Kara, I just feel like, you know, your symptoms and everything that's been going on, like, I don't know if it was, like, on the back of the ovaries where, like, they couldn't see it or if it was, like, who knows? Who knows what was going on? But so she still felt. they opened you up. They, they actually did yeah. surgery and they didn't see a it. A laparoscopic one, yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. they, they weren't eyes yeah. on. They just were la- laparoscopic. No. Which so I also kind of think like it could have been on the other side because I mean, they weren't really, they didn't really like do an exploratory yeah. thing. It was just like, let's see what's going on with this cyst and this ovary. And that ovary was okay. It had this big cyst on it and they removed that and they did, you know, pathology on it and it was not an endometrioma. So my doctor was like, oh gosh, I'm just. I was hoping it was that because then we could deal with that. And like, you know, it's because she knew we were trying to get pregnant in two years. Um, But four months later I was pregnant. So I think the cyst and she did, you know, she said at the time, she was like, I kind of wish it had been that because then there would have been like an explanation and I could like go in and like burn it all off. Like the endometriosis. Um, but she said, but you know what, the cyst was huge. And I think maybe it was interfering with ovulation. Like, let's give it a year is what she said at the time. Like, let's give it a year to see what happens. And then we'll start discussing like infertility treatments. But um, you were in your twenties at that time, right? So you were, still- uh, yeah. 
I was like 23. Was yeah, so young. you're still yeah. young enough that they could go, let's give it a year. It wasn't like you were you know, yeah, 38. Exactly. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I think, let's see, how old was I when my daughter was born? I was 25. So yeah, I would have been 24. Okay. Um, so anyway, so yeah, I got pregnant um, like four months after the sisters removed. And so, and then um, had her. And then um, like the bleeding after having her, for those of you who don't know, yes. you bleed from Yeah. It, a mega period. Oh, and God. <laughs> for eight weeks. No, no, it's only supposed to go on for like four or five days afterwards. Yeah, the body did not get that memo, huh? <laughs> it was horrible. I was like, I was calling my midwife. I was calling, we had moved when I was seven months pregnant from Texas to California. So I was calling my doctor's office in Texas because I really liked that doctor. And I yes. was like, not a patient there anymore, but I just want a second opinion. Like, is this normal? And they were like, well, I mean, it does happen that way sometimes for some people, and I was like, great, okay, so I was dealing with that, and I yeah, I was able to stay home with my daughter, and I remember saying to my husband when she was six weeks old, I was like, do you, like, some women are going back to work, or already have, <laughs> yeah. but a lot of, like, six weeks is up in the mark, and I'm like, I am still bleeding, like, a lot, like, I am not even close to being physically recovered, let alone, like, establishing breastfeeding, and, like, tired, and, like, all of that stuff is, like, this is so messed up in this country that like <laughs> maternity leave is so messed up. I can't imagine like having to go back to an office and be dealing with what I was still dealing with. Like at that point, it was, I it mean, that's worse than when you were crazy. a teenager, you're bleeding a ton. You're going to have to exit yeah. work all the time to change pads and you'd be lactating and you'd have like <laughs> the insane hormones of just having had a baby. Right. Yeah. Right. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. So, um, then my period came back when she was six months old, which I felt was totally unfair because I was breastfeeding. You know, people always say, oh, does it affect you stop breastfeeding? I was exclusively breastfeeding. Liars. She had <laughs> anything. Like, not nothing. And I was like, seriously. So it came back. Um, and then I'm trying to remember that I was trying to think about this last night, like the timeline for, I don't think that I went on the pill in between. I have two kids and I don't think I went on the pill in between because I hadn't, I had tried the pill when my husband and I were first married and I didn't like it. I didn't feel well on it. Mm -hmm. I just felt my blood pressure got a little messed up. I would go in for it sometimes. And I just kind of felt that way. I felt like off and like a little lightheaded and stuff in it. So I I didn't like it. Um, so then, um, when my first child was four and a half, my second child was born. Um, and that time I did go on the mini pill, um, which is, a lower dose of hormones so that it's meant to not interfere with like breast milk production. And so I, because I was nursing, I didn't want it to be affected. So I did the mini pill. And then when he was about a year old, I switched to the regular pill and my period did come back at that point. Um, so at that time I got a longer reprieve, which was very welcome. Um, (laughs) was so nice. However, however, Oh, there's a second part to that. Never discuss. And they lived happily ever after the bodies that worked the way they lived happily ever after and just decided to have a hysterectomy for the fun of it. No, no. (laughs) Oh yeah. That, that seems like something that I would do on a Friday night if I was bored. Absolutely. Like not using it anymore. It was just exit. Yeah. I'm done with it. And I just like some time to rest at home. So I'm just going to do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, so I, my period came back, but instead of just coming back, like it had before, which would have been, you know, horrible enough, it started coming twice a month and not shorter. So like, we're still talking nine to 11 days, just as heavy and twice a month. It's just, that's not sustainable. So for you basically life. 20 days a month were bleeding. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't yeah. bleeding, you were either post or pre menstruation. 
Correct. And getting migraines and oh, just, yeah, it was not fun. I, not fun. And <laughs> I can't think of any human being who would go, yeah, sign me up for that. That sounds great. Yeah, sign me up for that. And like hard to function in like, I mean, you know, I was doing daily life, you know, yeah. like I was a mom. And raising and two I kids. Was, I was raising kids. I was working from home at that point. My husband was in grad school and traveling a ton. So you know, I was, yeah, it's and like, a oh, newborn, which is different than just raising yeah. kids. A newborn that you have to cannot do anything on their own, right? Like I just, you know, I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna get through this, and then. Um, so I think when my son was about two, so this had been going on for about a year. I went to my doctor and I said, "This is not like yeah. this is not sustainable at all." And she was like, "No, it is not at all sustainable." And I, at that point, said. Um, so I would have been, let's see, 31. I said, you know, in my family, um, family history, my grandmother's, my mom, my aunt, like I, you know, we talk about these things. I know like they don't go through menopause till like their mid fifties. So like, I can't do this for 20 more years <laughs> and for no reason, like for yeah. no, I'm not using it. Like our family is complete. We're completely sure of that. Yeah. Like I don't need this organ anymore. Like <laughs> I don't need it. And at that point, it was really, at that point, it was really the periods. It got to be other stuff later on. But at that point, it was really the periods. And she looked at me in the face and she said, do you hate your period? And I was like, who doesn't? Like, who, <laughs> Please like, point to me to the person who goes, yes, every month. I look yeah. forward to it. <laughs> right. Like, who doesn't? She's like, no, but like, like, do you, like, do you dread it? Do you hate it? Does it affect your life? And I was like, yes. And she's like, okay, that's kind of what I thought you were getting at. And she said, you know, we have a couple of options. We can do an ablation where they go in and like they burn off the lining of the uterus to try to kind of clear anything out that's causing problems, check for fibroids, things that can cause like heavy bleeding like yeah. that. Um, or a DNC, which again is like rather than burning it off, like scraping it off. Ah. And she said, yeah, yeah. She's like, but to be honest, Kara, she's like, you will do that multiple more times mm-hmm. before you hit your 50s. Like this will just keep coming back. And so she said, um, I think we could try two things. We could try an IUD to try to control the bleeding because like the Mirena, which is a common um, like brand name, but it's the name everybody calls it by um, the non-copper IUD, the Mirena really controls bleeding. It helps stop the bleeding. So she's like, that's one option. But again, it's good for five years. Then you have another one, then you have another one, then you have another one. And she's like, if you're done, you're done. Like, are you sure that you're done? Like having children? I was like, I am sure that I'm done. Like I, I am. And she said, I, and I you seem like you are. Um, and so she said, so then the other option would be a hysterectomy. And I was like, okay. And so she sent me home with like, you know, stuff to read up on it. And I, you know, read all the stuff and I did a ton of research online and I was like, yeah, I just, I want the hysterectomy. I just want to be done with this. So that was the plan. And that was like three years ago. And then, um, we found out very soon after that appointment that we were moving across the country and just with the (laughs) timing of everything, I couldn't, I couldn't get that done because we were so I didn't get it done. Yeah, packing up so the entire moved. household and... <laughs> yeah, like, it's just, the timing was not right. Yeah. So I didn't get it done. So, like, all this symptoms just continued on. And, you know, getting settled in a new place and doing all of these things. Like, I, I as a typical woman and a typical mom, was not, like, taking care of myself. I didn't have a doctor and, you know, like, all of these things. And my husband is like, Kara, like, why don't you go and find out, like, why don't you find a doctor and go get this taken care of? Yeah. Like, let's get done. So I finally did. And, um, that doctor was like, well, you know what? I just, uh, and, and I, 
doctors don't want to do surgeries. They, you know, liability reasons, they just, they want to be sure that they're doing it for a good reason. And she just wasn't sure. And she was like, would you be willing to consider doing an IUD? And I was simply because of timing that my husband is university professor and my appointment was in December and I was planning to go with him on a trip to London in April and I was talking to my mom about it and she's like, Carrie, you do not want to be dealing with those periods when you are over in London. Like, and like, I couldn't get the surgery till summer. Like, because you know, that sounds he, romantic, by the way, you know, I the, know. finally some time that, alone with your husband in a beautiful city and cram some bleeding. That's hot. That. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, you're right. And just because of his schedule, like to be able to help with the kids and stuff, he has his summers off as a university professor. And he was like, you know, let's just get it done. Like in the summer, like as soon as I'm done. So I was like, okay, I'll do the IUD, like as a stopgap measure to like help control the bleeding, which it did. Yeah. It completely eliminated any bleeding. Like I occasionally have like very small like spotting, but it it did help. However. (laughs) I love that. However. Because whatever is true is coming after that, however. It's like the word yes. but. Everything before the word but can be ignored. <laughs> exactly. However, as soon as it was placed in, I started having um, – so let me back up. When I would get my period um, and have those really bad cramps for a few days a month, though that, that pain from the cramps would extend down into my legs, like all the way to my knees, like deep, like – it's not muscle pain because it's who know why I don't know, but that's what it felt like. Okay. There's deep pain into my legs. And, um, my mom told me that my grandma had that too. She said, Oh, I remember like her standing at like, the kitchen sink and having to like collect herself and take a deep breath. And, and I always feel like I have to say this and not as like a bragging thing, but just as a reference point for pain. Yeah. I've had, I've had a spinal fusion when I was mm-hmm. in high school, I had a spinal fusion and I've given birth twice without pain meds. Um, and my kids were both face up. And so I had back labor. I had the whole thing of like trying to push them out. So that's my, I have a fairly high pain tolerance yeah. to like I can get through it. Mm-hmm. And this leg pain was just so intense. And as soon as I had the IUD placed, I started having that leg pain every single day. No. Wow. What yeah. was, did they, did they know why? No, no I, they were like, mystery. I, I, it has to just have been like irritating whatever it was that caused it when I had cramps was my thinking, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. And I just, it started happening every day. It was, it would happen almost immediately if I like exerted myself in any way. Like if I picked up my three-year-old, like I because would no one ever has to pick up a three-year-old that, you know, that's just right. extra. Yeah. Yeah. That's not something moms have to do. So like anything, anything like that, it would start in, and like my husband would know when it started because I would have to like, go into like a, you know, like tunnel, like I did when I was in labor of like closing my eyes and like taking a deep breath and like, don't talk to me right now. And like, he knew, he's like, that's not normal. You know? No, no. I am focusing on not screaming tunnel. I know that tunnel. It's a, it's a daily tunnel. Yeah. I know you were well aware of that tunnel. No, but it's, I I don't actually talk to many people who know like how to do that. And there's a skill to that. Yeah, well, I felt like, you know, I used, like, the Bradley method for labor of, like, just trying to kind of, like, ride the pain waves and go into the dark tunnel, and I totally used, like, the same skills as, like, I shouldn't be needing to do this every day of my life, like, this is, this isn't good, but again, because I'm a mom, and because I'm busy, and because I'm raising two kids and working two work-at-home jobs, I was just, I just kept putting off 
You know, I'm fucking dare any man to say that we are the weaker sex. I, oh, I just uh, step to the line if you would like to try because no. I know. No, my girl daughter said to me the other day, she's like, if it required them to give birth, we would not have a civilization. And I was like, no, we absolutely You know, I not. unbelievably, I've loved your daughter since the first second I saw her. <laughs> she is a badass. <laughs> she is a baby, baby badass. I love her. No, well, you know, awesome. and, and I'm going to get who said this wrong. Um, incredibly famous feminist. And everyone's going to forgive me for all the payments I'm on today. But um, she said that if men had to give birth, abortion would not only be legal, it'd be drive through. Oh, Seriously. And I'm yeah. not I'm not gonna get into a big debate about that all, but what I will say is is the amount Girl. of pain that women have been able to not only handle, but somehow we managed to keep it a secret from half the population because they still don't understand what is going on because we're shamed into right. not discussing things like periods or endometriosis or the ickiness of childbirth. Like to the point where right. up until like even when my husband was born, his dad didn't see him for like a day or two. He wasn't even right. they weren't in the room. So they didn't know what their wives went through. They had no concept. <laughs> And, you know, we're so good at hiding pain that I think that, you know, think back to, like, your grandma and, like, the things that they weren't even, not even the the technology didn't exist, just that the the language didn't exist. They didn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of, like, even my grandmother had her breast cancer. It was considered shameful in in the um, time she had her breast cancer. So she didn't talk to anyone about it. She went through her hysterectomy, or um, the mastectomy. Again, high levels of painkillers, so please all forgive me. Um, But... She went through a full mastectomy without talking to anyone about it because it was embarrassing. Oh. So, like, part of why I just wanted to do this is I'm, like, on this crusade for people to start talking about periods so that when my daughter has yeah. hers in a yep. junior high school, she can go, hey, I need to get a pad. Exactly. Like, it wouldn't be embarrassing because I remember being terrified that like, a pad would show or someone would smell okay. something. Or, like, I lived in mortal terror. Yeah. And fuck if I'm not yeah. going to do everything I can to make sure my daughter doesn't have those kind of... <laughs> Exactly. Terrors. Like, it's just not fair that saying that's so biological is so embarrassing, especially when saying goes wrong. Because mm-hmm. it's like, it's so hard to, like, I, I'm listening to you part of the way going, I need to call my doctor actually after this and get checked out for all of this. Um, yes. I didn't know how to talk to my doctor about these things because it was like, okay, let's just get this whole embarrassing thing over with. <laughs> Yeah, no, you have to. And that's kind of like my biggest takeaway is like advocating for yourself because like as it went on, like, you know, I had this doctor like didn't want to do the hysterectomy, right? And so I did the IUD, which I really didn't want to do, but it was like, well, I guess timing wise. And it it did help the bleeding and that was, that part was good, but it caused all of these other things. And then, (coughs) excuse me, as time went on, I just started to have more and more symptoms again of just pain and the pain in my legs just continued and it wasn't every day like well it was every day for like six months and like again here's me like not going and taking care of it like I should have yeah um started to become like multiple times a week it was still doing it and then I started to have like bladder issues where I was suddenly like having to wake up in the middle of the night to go pee and it's like you know I'm 33 like I shouldn't be like (laughs) wake up in the middle of the night and like and I stay up really late so when I'm talking like I'm waking up in the middle of the night I'm gonna sleep for like three hours so like it just that's not acceptable and then I just started to have this like just bloating is not quite the right word but kind of like a constant bloating feel of just feeling like I needed to use the bathroom but couldn't because I just had and like I didn't have a UTI you know like all these things that like I got checked out it was like there's just something else and I just knew I always knew it's related to my uterus and mm-hmm. I need it gone yeah like I just knew I had to do with that so our insurance changed so I had to find a new doctor and I was on a mission and so <laughs> I 
<laughs> researched and found the doctor who specialized in the, it's called the Da Vinci method. It's a robotic method of doing laparoscopic hysterectomy. And found her and called and was like, hi, I'm a new patient. I need to talk to about hysterectomy. And they were like, oh, you're a new patient. So you do need to come in for like a pap smear. I'm like, nope, I need to make an appointment to talk to her about hysterectomy. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm, I need that. I have never seen her all go. the rest of it. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I know what I need. And still, like, I had to go see her, I think, three times in person and uh-huh. talk to her on the phone two or three times. Uh-huh. Because it's just, you know, are you sure? Are you sure? Like, do you really want to hysterectomy? Like, uh-huh. yes, I do. And, no, like, do you want to explain you, why they kept doing the are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. Because um, my friend went through all this, but she wasn't married and she didn't have kids. And it took her mm. to being 45, I think, before they actually <laughs> allowed her allowed her to make exactly. that decision about her body. Because they're like, no, you might regret. You might right. want kids. So, like, right. you're supposed to suffer yeah. for this imaginary creature that you may or may not want. Right. Yeah. I have a friend, yeah, single, never married, doesn't have children. And, yeah, eventually did get one. The same thing. Had to push, like, so hard to get it. And it's like, it's my body. Exactly. And what? My and husband I only had to go her. to like one appointment, say yes, wait one week, yeah. and then he got yeah. his vasectomy. Yeah, yeah, because right. he gets to be no, sure about his remember. body. But you know us, so, yeah, we're 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 apparently fragile. <laughs> I know, so strange that there would be a difference. Hmm. So you have to. So so far, I'm I'm trying to count this out, and again, lots of painkillers in my fuzzy little brain. But you've gone yeah, yeah. to is that three doctors now talking yeah. about getting a hysterectomy and. Um, let's see, after your son was born, so he's three or four now? Four, he's almost five. No, 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 no. Yeah, okay. uh, anyone listening, I do know this woman. I've known her for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I photographed all of her babies when I was a photographer. No, that's yeah. not five years since I did that shoot. Oh, yes. oh my I God, know. that's crazy. Um, so we are looking at like five years of you asking for the surgery. Yeah. Wow, and this is—I mean—and you know, for you're not, no one's seeing you right now, so I'm just going to explain really quickly. Very like, if you want to talk like sweet, privilegey sort of things, you know, we are, we are pale, <laughs> we are female, yep. and we're of a night uh, middle income. So mm-hmm. this is this is as privileged as it gets, and still right. we're talking and years. So massive yeah. doctors, even with insurance being there. That's right. yeah. So if you want to imagine what someone else would go through to try to get exactly. this, especially someone not married, because that seems to be like the big. If you are not married, you don't have kids. At least two. Like even if you just have one, they still give you like the runaround. But no, yeah. This is not, yeah. This like, is like you can't possibly know what you actually want. Like oh, it's so it's so obnoxious. Mm. And I told like I said to the doctor, the one who finally did it. I said to her at my very first meeting with her, because again, remember, I had to go talk to her three times to, like, even begin to have the conversation that she would be willing to have. I said to her, I will sign whatever yeah. thing you want me to sign, saying that you're not liable. Like, I, you know, like, yeah. whatever it is. I did. In the end, I had to sign something that said um, that it wouldn't guarantee that the pain would be gone. It wouldn't guarantee that, you know, obviously the bleeding would be done. Yeah. But, like, it would guarantee that the pain issues, all these other symptoms that wouldn't. And I said, I, I will sign it. I know. I know that it will. Yeah. Because I know my body really well. Mm-hmm. I've lived with it for a really long time, and I really do know it's, like, triggering it. I can tell. I can feel what's going on. Um, but I will sign it. And so, again, finally, one night I was at my daughter's karate, and the doctor called me. And she's like, okay, I just want to have one more conversation. You know, I've looked over your blood work. I looked over blah, blah, blah. They did an ultrasound, like, all this stuff. And she's like, if you are sure, I think that you are a good candidate for having one as long as you know 
I can't guarantee anything, like the whole thing again. And I was like, I know, like, please just let me come in and sign the thing that says I know. I will sign this in blood. We can do a sacrifice. Like, right. what, like, what do you want to say? Like, that would still, like, like, going you know, to Mordor with the ring. Like. I know. Why does it have to take so long? It's like, your IUD is still good for another three years. I'm like, that's fantastic, but it's causing me to have pain in my legs. So yeah. I'm actually going to have that for three more years. Like, I yeah. don't want it. So finally, finally, we got it scheduled. And then I started to do the typical thing of like, oh, maybe I should put it off. And like, because we got it scheduled for October. Yeah. Not convenient. It, remotely convenient for like anybody's schedule, for my husband's schedule, nothing. And I started to do the same thing. I'm like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should wait till summer. And my husband was like, no. Like, <laughs> would you please take care of yourself? Like, let's, we will work it out. Like, I will take care of it. Like, it will be, and it was fine. Like, it okay, was fine. How fucking up, female of all of us to go I'm sorry my illness is inconveniencing everyone I'll just suffer over here and they're like what is wrong that yeah. we've been like taught all this I know like I'll just suffer for like six to nine more months just to make sure it's as convenient as yeah. possible make sure like, it's not convenient for everyone around me that that's yeah like what is right I laugh but I've done this and I'm still doing this right now because I'm putting off my surgeries until summer <laughs> or next summer it's no, we got to take care of ourselves, Monica. We got to be better about it. Yeah, right. <laughs> power. Power to uh, the body. <laughs> Making it work. Seriously. Yeah. So, I had a hysterectomy. Yay! So, the great thing for anybody who, who is wondering about this, I found this out from, randomly, a mom who was at a Girl Scout meeting that my daughter was at back when we lived in California. So, this was several years ago. And she just kind of offhandedly said, like, someone was saying something about their period, you know, yeah. as we were standing around talking. And she just kind of offhandedly said, she said, oh, well, I have a hysterectomy, so I don't have to worry about it anymore. And people were kind of like, what? but we're so What's young. Like, what about, like, what about, like, going into menopause? And she said, well, I just had my uterus removed. The ovaries are still there. Nothing changes hormonally. And I was like, wait, what? And that was actually <laughs> when I went to my doctor the first time. And he was like, tell me more. About this, I've this heard situation. about this magic thing that... <laughs> There's because a lot like, of I misinformation think, about hysterectomies. Do you want to yeah. like clear some of that up and talk about like what you experienced? And um, because I'm super political, and anyone who listens yeah. to this episode knows, uh, how did this work out for you with your insurance? Did you have to pay massive copays, or what, did you have good insurance actually covered this? Okay. We do. So my husband works at the university, and the insurance is good for um, optional, <laughs> optional. You know these kind of things, vasectomy, hysterectomy. Yeah. Um, and I think too, like, I think that might have been part of it for my doctor for like her needing to say it was like a medical reason, but my insurance said optional is okay even. So, but I think like from a liability standpoint, she would want it to be So you're making me want to go back to school and finish off my PhD just to get the health insurance. (laughs) Yeah. Just to get the good insurance. It's worth it. It's good. It is good. I I mean, I didn't have it for a long time. I was buying my own expensive insurance until he got this job. So I'm grateful (laughs) for it for sure. Because I'm in a situation where it wasn't good. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I mean, I just always thought hysterectomy means they take everything. They take yeah. out the uterus, and they take out the fallopian tubes, and they take out the ovaries, and then you go into menopause. That's not true. You can have just the uterus removed, or you can have, so here's, you've got some options. Let me explain the options. Yeah, because yeah, I'm actually taking you, notes. <laughs> yeah. So you can have um, the, like, total hysterectomy is yeah. um, where they take all of those things I just said, ovaries, fallopian tubes, uterus, cervix. Cervix is separate from the uterus. This uh, is interesting. Things I did not know. We need better biology classes. <laughs> First, no, this either. So, so you know, 
if something is going on where someone needs a hysterectomy for like, because there's cancer present or something, they're probably going to do a total hysterectomy yeah. to get it all out. But if you're in a situation where like what I was in, like I, there's a specific issue, you have an option. And so what they presented to me was leave the ovaries because I, I'm young and, um, hormonally you don't want anything to change yeah um don't want to go into early menopause it causes issues with bones and you know just everything changes if, if those hormones aren't there so leave the ovaries behind but then they did suggest that i have the fallopian tubes removed because obviously you don't need those anymore and they have found in um recent research in the last few years that often ovarian cancer is actually starting in the fallopian tubes and so wow. removing removing the tubes lowers the risk by they said 30 percent so oh I was God. like, yeah, take them out. Yeah, I mean, I'm not using them. <laughs> I don't need them, and they don't affect anything hormonally. Okay. So then the other thing you can do is, um, then the other option besides those is that, so the cervix, which is at the top of the vagina, yeah. uh, you can have that removed when you have a hysterectomy. So they take out the uterus and they take out the cervix, or you can leave the cervix. Huh. And there's... There's kind of different schools of thought on why, and a lot of them, to be honest, are, are anecdotal, um, that some people think leaving the cervix helps you maintain better bladder control because, like, the pelvic floor is less disturbed and things like that. Um, some people find it it makes a difference as far as, like, sexual pleasure mm-hmm. to still have it there. It's super important. Very, very yeah, important. Very important. <laughs> Absolutely important. And then other studies say there's really no difference. You know, it's, it's one of those things of, like, you can't really tell, like, statistics-wise. It's really yeah. more, like, anecdotal of, like, maybe a small percent, but, like, in another study, it went the other way. And so I talked all of it over with my doctor, and I actually didn't even tell him until the day of my surgery which way I was going to go with that, whether I was going to leave the cervix or not, because I was still, like, researching and still doing stuff. And I think I had at least six people come into my room the day of the surgery to confirm that they had it written <laughs> That correctly. was good that they, should, they kept confirming. I mean, you might yes. have ended up with a vasectomy if they hadn't have done that. Exactly. <laughs> they were like, we just want to confirm. So I decided to leave it because I thought, you know, the only reason to really kind of not is there's two reasons. So number one is I still need to get pap smears. Um, still at risk of cervical cancer because yeah. they're still there. However, I'm monogamous. I don't have any STDs. Like my risk of cervical cancer is very low um, in general. The only other reason is when they remove the uterus from the cervix, they have to be very careful to try to remove every single uterine cell from the cervix. And if they don't get every single one, you can still have a little bit of breakthrough with the bleeding. It's not like a full-on period, but you can yeah. still have some spotting because there's still uterine cells on your cervix. Huh. Who knew? Crazy! I know. Who knew? I have a friend who had the same exact surgery that I had, and, and she said, yeah, I do occasionally have, like, a little tiny bit of spotting. Doesn't bother me. I don't care. Like, yeah. you know, it, it felt, like, worth it to her because she had been concerned about, like, bladder issues and stuff like that because of things she had read. So that's what I did as well. So I still have it ovaries. I still have my cervix. Fallopian tubes in, in uterus are gone. So, you know, I had been so convinced, like, this is going to just, like, just going to change my life. And, yeah. Like, my periods were so heavy before, like, before I got the IUD that, like, I, I would get, like, I would get migraines a lot, but I'd also just get, like, a veil coming across, like, my vision of, like, I couldn't really see, and then, like, by the end of the day, like, my kids would be trying to play with me and literally, like, climbing on me, and I would be falling asleep, and I, I said it once this to my mom, and I was like, Kara, I think you might be, like, passing out, like, I think yeah. maybe that's what's really happening, because I... And I mean, I was taking iron, but still, I didn't keep up with it. Like, and so 
I just felt like, I think this is going to change my life. Like I have no energy and like I am in pain and just like all of these, you know, all along the way, like all of these different things. And, and so the pain for half the month, this isn't just like the, the, the sweet little three day period. No, 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 you're talking no. this, like yeah. most yeah. of your life, like at least half right. of it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It's just too much. So much underlying because I think some people hear period and they think three to five days. This is not no. three to five days. This is a lot of your life. It is. And just, and such like so much. It's not just like, Oh, I have it for nine days, but it's like, I can wear like a panty liner. Like, no, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's so like, cute. Oh, I yeah, know. No. <laughs> like, no, it's not that at all. And that's the thing. Like I've talked to a couple of friends about this too. I think like as women, sometimes we just kind of, because people don't talk about it, you don't know. And you're just kind of like, Oh, maybe that's normal. I don't yeah. think that's normal. Like, I don't think it's normal to be bleeding that much. I don't think it's normal to be having that much pain. And I think we just put up with stuff for a really long time because it's like, oh, well, yeah, we get cramps. It's like, yeah, but when they're, like, affecting your life, yeah. like, that's not really how that's supposed to work. Like, no, that's not helpful. And the migraines you talked about, like, I think that mm-hmm. a lot of people just go, well, that's life. And they think headache. And headache is not a migraine. Those are two very yeah. separate things. And yeah. I don't know how your migraines feel, but if I get one, there is no talking to me. There's no watching TV. There's no reading. There's no light. There is no dark room and a fetal position. Yep, exactly. And I, on occasion, get, like, the visual migraines, too. I don't know if you've ever had those. Where, like, the crazy auras. Like, the, like, zigzaggy, like, flashing in your eyes. No, my son like, gets those, though. It's not fun. No, I not get the fun. aura and, like, the just splitting your head open stuff. Yep. But yeah, yeah, so you were dealing with that. And when they, they took your uterus out, did they find the endo then? Yes. So I was in recovery and I was, so I have a history of um, waking up too soon from surgeries. Like I had a colonoscopy in high school and I was like awake for part of Oh my God. That is like alien abduction horror story. No. <laughs> it was not fun. And like I had my spinal fusion in high school and um, I afterwards they take like x-rays to make sure that the um like the rod and the screws are positioned correctly so they like sit you straight up like back down on a hard metal x-ray plate and I would pass out just in time to like be woken up to like be put back down and I was just like oh and and I was still like asleep enough that I couldn't like talk and I mean I think at that point I even still had the breathing tube in like I couldn't talk yet and um the next day my surgeon came in to check on me and I said um yeah, you know, that was really painful. That was not pleasant, like, to go through those x-rays. And his face just looked horrified. And he's like, oh, Kara, oh, you're not supposed to be awake for that. No. You, that you're still be, like, completely under when that is all happening. And I was like, oh, well, I wasn't. Yeah, no. Oops. <laughs> I wasn't at all. And so, but I, and I told my husband, I said, I was a little nervous. Like, yeah. about his, it's been a while. Like, the last surgery that I had was the laparoscopic to remove that ovarian cyst, which was 10 years ago. Um, and so I was like, I'm kind of a little nervous. He's like, well, why don't you tell the anesthesiologist? And I said, I'm afraid they'll give me too much and they'll kill me. Like, I didn't want to tell them, give yeah. me more. And so the anesthesiologist came in and she talked to me and she was like asking very specific questions. And I was like, okay, I should probably tell her. And so I did. And I was like, don't, and I, I seriously said, she started laughing. I said, like, don't like, don't be aggressive with it. Like, I, I want to be, I want to be alive. Like, yeah. but I'm just telling you, I have a tendency to wake up too soon. So I think they did maybe overdo it a little bit because I didn't wake up for hours and I could not, like, I couldn't open my eyes. Like I could hear everything that was going on, but I could not physically make myself open my eyes. And they wheeled me to my recovery room and they're like, okay, sweetie, can you move to the other bed? And I was like, how, 
I had like a good body. <laughs> and I finally said to them, I said, um, I'm good. And I mean, again, my eyes are closed. I can't even open my yeah. eyes. But I said, I'm going to need help explaining how I accomplished that. <laughs> and they all, they started laughing. They were like, okay, we're going to help you. And I'm like, that'd be great. I, like, yes, I, can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. But anyway, so when I was in recovery and that I could not see anything because again, I just couldn't physically make my eyes open. I couldn't do it. The doctor came and she said, Kara, you were right. We found endometriosis all over the place. And she said it needed to go. The uterus needed to go. And she said, I think what we may find with the pathology and the pathology report in the end did not show this, but she actually thinks they didn't particularly look for it in particular, but there's a thing called, I think I'm getting the name right, adenomyopathy. So instead of the uterine lining going outside, like an endometriosis, it digs into the walls of the uterus. And I Googled it. I was like, run that by me again. I Googled it. Maya, it was every symptom I had, including the pain in my legs, including that, like this, like it causes neuropathy in the legs. And I'm like, my God. For years, why didn't anybody ever mention this? When I was asking for a hysterectomy, why didn't somebody say, boy, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like this thing uh, that they thought they saw when they took it out. And I'm like, so again, that's why the takeaway is advocate for yourself. Because well, yeah. they're not always telling you everything. Like, they should be. I mean, I was literally every symptom of it. I was like, yep. And I've been telling you guys for years. And how had validating for you. I mean, like. Yeah, that is not like I, I remember the first time I got my like a real diagnosis, except for you're crazy. And it was like, right. I'm a real girl. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, right. insane. I'm not crazy. Yeah, I'm no. not making this up. I'm not faking. I'm not overreacting. I'm not being too sensitive. I'm like, like all of those things. Like, I'm, I know that this was that this was needed. And so she came to see me. I had to stay overnight. And that's it. And I went home like the next morning. Um, and she came to see me and she was like, yeah, I, you know, mentioned that thing to me at that point then said, you know, I think we're going to find that there was endometriosis. We burned it off. It was all over the place. I think this is going to take care of everything. And like, you know, she had been so unwilling to commit to that before the surgery, you know, like, <laughs> I guarantee that this will do anything, blah, blah, blah. And then like, as soon as she did it, she's like, and she, I mean, she literally said, you were right. The uterus needed to go. And oh I was God. like, I know. Yeah. I know. And as soon as he left the room, Jay was sitting there, my husband. And as soon as she left the room, he's like, well, that's validating, isn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, this is what I've been saying for so long. This is what I've been saying. And so it has, it's like, I haven't had the pain in my legs. I immediately could tell, like, I didn't have to get up to pee in the night. Like, what the, a wonderful the thing. Was home. <laughs> like, all of these things. And so at my, like, post-op appointment with her, which is six weeks out, she kind of asked, you know, like, how are things going? And I was like, I don't have any of the symptoms. I don't have any of that, that bloating feeling, that feeling like I needed to use the bathroom, but couldn't use the bathroom. I'm not having to pee so often anymore. I had had to be peeing, like, frequently ever since I was in junior high, which I had attributed to, um, I had gone for an ultrasound because of that ovarian cyst. Yeah. And uh, they had told me I had to fill my bladder, which I did. You know, like, one of those, like, you have to drink 96 ounces of water. That's some ridiculous thing. And then horribly, whoever was in the room next to me had something terrible happen with their ultrasound, and it meant the ultrasound tech didn't get to me right away. Oh, no. And so by the they came in, I've oh. been sitting here with full bladder forever, and then they're also, like, checking my bladder, so they were, like, pressing on. <laughs> so ever since then, I would have to, like, I get checked for diabetes, like, all these things, because I would have to urinate, like, all the time. Yeah. And 
don't have to do that anymore. So like, I mean, I thought it was that, but I think it was probably this other stuff. So I told my doctor, I'm like, I just, everything is gone. Like I knew that it would be, but like the fact that it actually is, it's like, it really worked. And so, yeah, that's I'm so amazed. Like in Spoonie world, the idea that they can do anything other than mitigate a symptom for a little bit is so shocking that you could get cured is unbelievable. Cured would just be unreal. Like, Right. And that your doctor must have been overjoyed too. I mean, how often do they get to cure someone? I know. And I, I think that's true. And like, especially, you know, even with endometriosis and any warranty, they said this, it can come back because if they don't get every single little microscopic, even though the uterus isn't there anymore, like if there's still microscopic uterine cells in there somewhere, it can start to multiply and come back. Um, they this also is like a Ridley Scott be, film. Like, <laughs> this is, I know. This is I not know. biology You're, anymore. This is sci-fi horror. <laughs> I know, but you know what I feel like? I feel like, and I know that that's true. I know that women who have endometriosis, a lot of times it feels very hopeless because it does come back a lot. And like a lot of times these, you know, women are trying to get pregnant, so they don't have the option of like, well, let's get the uterine lining out completely, you know? And so I am prepared for that if that happens, but at the same time, I feel like if it does, I'll know what it is. And like my doctor will believe me and I'll be able to, they can go in and take it out again. You know, like they can do a laparoscopic procedure to like, burn it off again and I hopefully that doesn't happen hopefully they got it all and they they feel like they did but they can't like guarantee it because again it can just be really small and they also said particularly like on the back of the ovaries um just really couldn't see as well yeah um but at least if your so, your little little one has any of these symptoms you'll know what it is you won't have to like right. wonder for years and years exactly well yeah and I just feel like like that's the two biggest takeaways is just this like don't assume that like excruciating pain and terrible bleeding only seems as normal as a woman because it's not like that's not that's not biologically helpful so that's not like how it's meant to be so like that that you know there's something you can advocate for yourself I always wondered about that like Darwin what the fuck I mean like how is the survival that we would be like cramped up for like a week and a half or two weeks and Losing, right. like, so much blood. This cannot be good for, like, a predator's heart. Like, biologically, right. this is not good. <laughs> it can be sad. So I feel like no. it's happening. It's probably not how it's meant to be. And, yeah, and then just advocating hard for yourself. I talked to a friend who had had a, a hysterectomy for similar reasons, and she said, yeah, I I did too. She said I had to go to three different doctors, and she said I'd find the one, and she said, but you just you have to tell them, like, this is my body, mm-hmm. this is my voice, and, like, I will just keep going to somebody else to find somebody, but I would really like it to be you, you know? Oh. Like, could you please do this? Like, it shouldn't be that hard to get it accomplished, and unfortunately it is um, for, I assume, mostly for liability reasons, I guess, but... No, I think I, that I, when I, anyone what? is hearing this, there's going to be, like, yes across, like, everyone listening to this for women who have dealt with this and are are so frustrated at this problem, and not being able to get their their medication or the proper surgery done. So I, it's just would be so frustrating to try to find, like, the doctor you want. And then to have them be like, actually, um, I need you to be totally certain about your reproductive future. And you aren't really the one who's certain. I have to be certain that you are certain. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it made me appreciate the doctor that I had in California so much more because she was the one who brought it up, you know? Like, I mean, I kind of had it in the back of my head because of what this mom I had talked to had said, yeah. but I hadn't said it. And she brought it up, and she said, like, if you're sure that you're done having kids and you seem like you are, she's like, your age is irrelevant. Because you get that a lot, too, like, oh, but you're so young. You might it's change like, your mind. 
it doesn't <laughs> matter. And the fact that I was young was part of the problem because then you're telling me yeah. I have to do it for like 20 plus more years. Like that's the problem is that I'm young and I don't need, I'm done. Like some of my friends would laugh because I would say like, I'm not using it. Like I'm yeah. not using uh-huh. the uterus. No, the, I don't plan to ever again. There is again. no more like searching for a tenant where the, the no. building is closed. <laughs> yeah. Like I just, I don't need it. And if it's causing me this many problems, why would I keep it? Like it just doesn't make any sense. I am amazed at like all the decisions we're supposed to make when we're young that are incredibly life affecting, but whether yeah. or not we have children is suddenly this thing that we're supposed to, you know, that, that's just supposed to be the most important choice. And I mean, please no, I love my children, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of decisions I made when I was young. Some were catastrophic, some were great, but you know, right. regret is part of being a human. Like, yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah. So I'm really glad we got to talk about this because I've talked to too no. many friends who have like tried to get the surgery. And one of my friends, I think it was almost 10 years, she was trying to get it. Yeah. Yeah. And just suffering like you suffered. And now I'm looking at all your <laughs> symptoms going, I need to call my, uh, <laughs> I, I need to that. call my doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not normal. No, well, I mean, the problem with chronic illness is, like, I have all these other illnesses. So it's, like, right. there's, like, the catastrophic dislocation. So we're dealing with those. But there's all these other things, like, you know, the retro right. periods that last for 14 days and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. that's just off to the side right now. <laughs> like, maybe right. I should, like, yeah, deal with that, too. Which is understandable. But at the same time, like, you, you know, like, don't let it go too long. Like, yeah, true. You know, and I also, have that on top of the chronic thing, too. Yeah. Well, it is is actually a chronic thing. It is chronic. 14 days is chronic. If it's happening every single month, that's chronic. And like what you're dealing with at the end of that's, that is so all the time. And then you're living in dread of (laughs) 4am. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just tried to explain because I just had the chat with my little girl about periods because I didn't want her to be surprised by it. And they're starting to start that earlier, earlier. And after I finished explaining in detail, probably more than she would have liked, I got the no. Mm-mm. Yep. I want mm-hmm. no part in this. <laughs> yep. Yep. That was my daughter's reaction too. She yep. was like, I don't want it. I'm like, I, I understand. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> Maybe a brilliant female scientist will come up with a way that you can do the, yes. like, exit this whole thing without a major surgery or massive hormonal fillers. Right. right. That'd be great. That would be lovely. So scientists who are listening, oh, this is what we need to. Like, if you guys can work on erections, you can absolutely work on this. Right. Like, you can work on that. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so I think we're actually at the end of our hour, which makes me so sad because I've missed you. Um, but last question is always your favorite swear word. Because I've been swearing this whole podcast and you haven't yet. <laughs> I'm feeling very oh, yeah. alone. Oh, my gosh, it's amazing. Well, I, I really like the word fuck. It's a good and one. And in, in 2017, I also, I'm just going to say, I use the word fuckers a lot because it's relevant. It's so fucking relevant. Because um, there's yeah. just so many of them. Like, I feel like multiple times a day I'm talking to my husband and one of us is sharing one article or another and it's just, like, mumbled under the breath all the time. <gasps> like, ah. Uh. Appreciate it. I, yeah. I hear you. I actually started using yeah. a word I never would use, ever, because I think it's disrespectful to women. But there is one woman in particular, now two, that I'm like, you know what? It fits. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening this week. Next week, we'll be trying something new. Eva from a podcast a little while ago, who runs Wallacopia, will join me for a panel on running a business for Spoonies while being one. Be sure to tune in. 
subscribe and share this episode with someone who needs to know more about endometriosis. Until next time, be kind, be gentle, and be a fucking badass.